Welcome to New Consciousness Review. New Consciousness Review is all about the books and films behind the global shift in consciousness. On the NCR Radio Show, your host, Miriam Knight, interviews some of the most passionate and exciting authors and filmmakers she can find among the thousands of spiritual and progressive titles NCR covers each year on ncreview.com, an online showcase of conscious media. Miriam's guests are the thought leaders of the conscious awakening. They offer fresh perspectives on topics ranging from ancient wisdom to science and metaphysics, and from body-mind health to service and community. Be prepared to be challenged and enjoy the ride. Now, here is your host, Miriam Knight. Hi, everybody, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Dr. Alan Hunter, author of The Path of Synchronicity, Align Yourself with Your Life's Flow. Though Alan is now a U.S. citizen and teaches college in Boston, he was born and educated in England, where he got his doctorate from Oxford. He's lived in Belgium, Italy, and Madagascar, and traveled extensively in India, Africa, South America, and Europe. It was his work with disturbed adolescents in England and prisoners in Massachusetts that led him to undertake a counseling practice and developed his interest in the therapeutic uses of writing. In The Path of Synchronicity, Alan provides us with his unique perspective that interweaves the world of Jungian analysis with the archetypes of classical literature and mythology. Truly an original book. Alan, welcome to NCR. It's such a pleasure to be here, Miriam. Nice to talk with you again. Thank you. Alan, what inspired you to write this book? Uh, well, uh, there were several things that inspired me about this book. And that was, it started uh, when I noticed how many people were prepared to acknowledge that there were strange, fortunate synchronicities happening in their lives. And what they said was, isn't that amazing? Isn't that extraordinary? What does it all mean? And as I began to look deeper into this, I came to the conclusion that this was exactly the question that we all had to ask. Otherwise, we can write off our experiences as dumb luck, the just what happens to us, or this always occurs in my life. And we can't see past that. And so the whole process of looking at synchronicity requires us, first of all, and I, I mean the word requires us, requires us to look back on our lives and say, is there a pattern that has led me to this particular place so that I am here now? And of course, what we discover is that more often than not, there are very strange happenstances which seem to be nudging us in a certain direction. And so, starting from that point of view, I began my, my investigation, which you know, took perhaps 10 years, of how it is that we see this phenomenon and whether we're prepared to respond to it or just push it aside and say, oh, there's nothing happening there, you know, it's just... Uh... Because when we pay attention to it, we discover there is a pattern. And that pattern demands that we listen for it so that we can pick up the hints and the, the nudges that it sends us. And so that's really where I started to, to think about synchronicity and 
and develop um, what was to become or what has now become this book, The Path of Synchronicity. That's interesting. So many people have been writing about synchronicity. It's, it's um, almost become somewhat overused. Mm. And other than uh, what you just said, um, I'm not sure how to distinguish synchronicity from just coincidence or just plain luck. Mm. Yes, well that's, <laughs> that's part of the challenge. Um, so let me put it uh, this way. Uh, if we acknowledge that there might be a thing called synchronicity and we listen for it, we then have to be uh, perhaps rather careful in how we assess what we see, what happens to us. Um, for instance, I, I know of a gentleman who uh, believes in synchronicity, God bless him, and therefore he has a tendency to hire the first person who turns up on his doorstep for his business because he thinks this is the power of synchronicity. Uh, you know, it may be and it may not be because what's really important about this um, strange phenomenon of synchronicity which echoes throughout our entire culture's literature by the way there is perhaps three and a half thousand years worth of literature that continually endorses the idea that there is a fate a current something is happening that we have to pay attention to but what we have to do is literally that, pay attention to it, not just grab the first thing that occurs. Because it's very likely that whatever the universe has planned for us is not quite the same as what we have planned for us. It may need us to do certain things, but those may go against what we imagine with our ego selves that we are supposed to do. And this is really what the book is about, you know. Um, Many of the people I've worked with have said, you know, I really want to be this. Uh, why, is the, why is the world not supporting me in my endeavor to be an astronaut, to be a, uh, you know, a, a designer, to be a... Why? And I often say to them, okay, that's your take on what the world wants you to be. Perhaps the world's got other plans. <laughs> and if it's got other plans, we'd do well to listen to that. So, um, you know, I, I could give you an example, if you like, and that is, this is my favorite example, because it involves John Steinbeck, the um, Nobel Prize-winning writer, and he decided with his ego self, he said, you know, I'm a writer, I've got this gift, uh, I am going to be a famous writer of famous uh, historical novels set, I think it was in 18th century France. And so he wrote, you know, four huge historical novels. He'd studied the market. He thought, this is what this is what will sell, and, and nobody wanted them. And he was despondent, and he actually, you know, went out on a, on a, a week's drinking spree, so uh, legend tells us. And when he came back, he discovered that his dog had eaten his manuscript because <laughs> the dog had not had any food. And that's when he said, oh, well, I'm going to stop writing these historical things that nobody wants. And I'm going to start writing about what's really in front of me. And what was really in front of him were the poor people of California. And that is actually when he brought into the world what the world needed to hear. And that's when the Grapes of Wrath, uh, when Canary Row, when East of Eden, all of these wonderful works erupted from him for the rest of his life. Now, it wasn't easy, 
It was very hard work. But he was producing something that the world really needed as opposed to something that it could consume. And so that's a kind of a long answer to your question. Um, but we are here not to do what we think would suit us because we're always going to choose a soft option, frankly, aren't we? Uh, we're here to do something that is necessary and we have to ask what is it that the world is nudging us towards? So the short answer is that synchronicity is uh, the messages of the universe nudging us onto the optimal path for our own, I guess, development, growth, evolution? Yes, yes uh, for our development and growth. And you know, our development and growth is, is not necessarily worldly riches and uh, large cars and a lot of fame, for instance. It may include that, it may not. But many people get confused and say, why am I not making the big bucks? Uh, I say, well, are you really and truly doing what feels vital and what you love? Are you using your talents, which you've been given, are you using them uh, for the best possible reasons? And that's the challenge that synchronicity sets us. It gives us these opportunities and then says, are you going to pay attention enough to use them? Because if we're looking for diamonds, we may, uh, we may miss the gold uh, nugget that is sitting right by our foot. Mm -hmm. And that would be a terrible loss <laughs> because we'd be in the ego mindset of it has to be a diamond, it has to be a certain way. Whereas often the universe can be, <laughs> the universe is wiser than we are. <laughs> we should listen to it. <laughs> so in your uh, tagline is align yourself with your life's flow. So that's what you're suggesting that um, we need to kind of identify uh, or, or use the ease of flow in our life to determine which path um, the universe prefers us to take. Is that yes, I, 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 yes, I, I think that's absolutely it. I would perhaps even bring it down further. And that is, um, we know when we're doing what's authentic because we feel a deep joy. We feel that we're really doing something that matters. And if, if we're listening to our inner selves, and I, in the book I spend quite a lot of time saying, well, what is it that it takes us to listen to our inner selves? If we're listening to what is authentically ourselves, then we're doing what we have to do, what we need to do. If we're doing what we think others expect us to do, or what would be neat for our resume, we may have some successes. Lots of people get many successes. But we probably won't be moving into the place of synchronicity with what the universe needs us to do. I think it was Andrew Cohen, the um, uh, mystic, who said, uh, you know, the universe doesn't have hands and feet and mouths and ears to do things. It has us, uh -huh. and we are therefore here to serve uh, what, what the universe needs. Now, you know, if you think about that, that's at the basis of thousands of years of, of religious and spiritual teaching. Uh, and by that I mean that 
in just about every tradition you can think of, there is a sense of the 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 holy person or the um, or the prince, uh, the priest rather. Um, here, here's a person who's not there for personal gain. He's there to serve. Do you see the difference? It's not oh, I'm doing this because of the neat uniform. It's I'm doing this because I am serving a higher purpose. Now that's that's a universal in in humanity, and that's what you get in every religion, everywhere in the world, practically since spiritual belief was formulated into, into religious tenets. And I think that's a really powerful piece of evidence that suggests, yes, this is what we're here to do, to, to listen and get into that place of flow. The main title of your book is The Path of Synchronicity. What is the path? Okay, well, um, the path is, as I've been describing, um, and it has several parts to it. The first is what I call getting out of one's own way. Uh, and that means getting out of the ego's way. And I spend quite a lot of time saying that there is part of the ego which wants things a certain way and will die rather than um, go against what, what messages it's hearing over and over again. And so we have the cliché of the, of the wealthy um, uh, businessman or speculator who kills himself amassing more money but doesn't actually do anything with more money. Mm. And the next part of dealing with the ego is that one has to deal with what is known as the shadow, the shadow self. Ah, we're and going to... I wanted to ask you about the shadow, but we need to take a quick break now, Alan. So um, we'll be right back with our guest, Alan Hunter, after this break. I am Bruce Allen, host of The Bruce Allen Show, A Dad's Point of View, inviting you to enjoy the eclectic mix of programming at PWRN, the Positive World Radio Network. PWRN is the premier destination for intelligent conversation, world-class music, and oh-so-cool jazz. Open your ears and experience the difference at pwrnradio.com. If you like what you are hearing on PWRN, we invite you to become a part of our broadcast family. If you are knowledgeable and passionate about what you do and would like to get your message to a worldwide audience, then we would love to talk with you about becoming a host on our growing lineup of Global Voices. Call Brian Kravitz at 215-941-7269. That's 215-941-7269. We look forward to having you joining us. Call Brian at 215-941-7269. Most business owners want to engage in social media, but they think it's difficult, time-consuming, and don't have the knowledge to maximize their presence in Facebook or Twitter. Does that sound like you? If your answer is yes, call Donna Kerr. She will be your expert in taking the hassle out of social media. For a free one-half-hour consultation, call Donna at 951-672-2968 or visit www.donnakerr.com today. You are listening to New Consciousness Review, heard exclusively on the Positive World Radio Network. You can learn more about Miriam Knight's guests by visiting the NCR online showcase of Conscious Media, where you'll find thousands of spiritual and progressive titles of authors and filmmakers. And now let's get back to Miriam and her guest. And we're back. 
um, discussing the path of synchronicity. And just before the break, we were talking about the shadow self. There's There's been a fair amount of of interest in the shadow self. Deepak Chopra and Marianne Williamson collaborated on a book. So you you talk quite a bit about the shadow self. What does it mean and why do we need to know about it? The shadow is perhaps the most important thing that any of us ever have to discover. And the shadow self is exactly what it, uh, what it would seem. If you stand in the sunshine, you will cast a shadow and it will always be with you and it will be a distorted version of yourself. Now, what does this mean in practical terms? Uh, well, when we grow up, we're told, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't be mean to Freddy, even though we don't like Freddy. Um, say nice things to uh, Auntie Jo, even though we don't like Auntie Jo. And we're told to be nice and make nice. And so we crush down all of those antisocial things in ourselves which um, are deemed socially unacceptable. And unfortunately, that also goes for, for sex roles, for gender roles. So little boys become little boys by doing what little boys do and resolutely not doing what little girls do. And little girls stereotypically do something rather similar. The trouble is, though, that we smush all of this energy down into our... Uh, unawareness, our unconscious, and it takes a lot of energy to do that. And it takes a lot of energy to contain the things that we naturally feel like doing. And these include uh, quite destructive urges, a rage, uh, murderousness. You know, who, who hasn't said, oh, I could kill him? You know, we've all said it. We don't mean it. But at some level, it's there waiting to break out. Now, if, if, we, if we don't deal with this, uh, this powerful, this titanic energy, it will break out. And it breaks out in the wrong places. So we, we yell at the wrong people for the wrong rage. We, uh, uh, you know, the bully will go and find somebody um, <laughs> less powerful to beat up in order to feel better about, well, the fact that he can't control his own rage. You know, I was at the traffic lights in the center of my little town the other day, and two motorists who one thought he, he had cut the other off, uh, one fellow jumped out of his car and ran across and dragged the other, the other chap out of his vehicle, and they started swapping punches right in the middle of the crossroads in town, you know. Uh, they, they'd never met before, but for some reason the violent emotions had erupted. Now, that's the shadow when it hasn't been dealt with. We've all got this destructiveness inside ourselves, but what we have to learn is actually kind of simple, and that is there's a time for anger, and we must choose to be stronger than the anger and use it wisely. When there is injustice in the world, then there is a time to use anger in a controlled way. Think of Dr. Martin Luther King. You know, he was leading the civil rights movement, he wasn't saying, oh, well, I'll just be very nice and smile a lot and it'll, the problem will go away. No, he contacted his righteous anger and was peacefully insistent on what had to be done. Now, that's an example of the shadow, the anger, being used constructively. We're in charge of it, or Dr. Martin Luther King was, because he'd met his anger. The two people who are swapping punches in traffic 
they they weren't in charge of their anger. They'd never met the shadow self. So the shadow self is a force that can derail us and can keep us in a place of disappointment, victimhood, anger, upset, and uh, real sorrow, unless we meet it. And in the book, I spend quite a lot of time looking at the literature of wrestling with the monster who is us. You know, there's St. George who kills the dragon. There's Beowulf who kills Grendel. There's Jacob who wrestles with the angel in the Bible, you know, until they, they come to an understanding as to who belongs where. And these are all deeply felt images of what it means to take hold of the shadow and to make it into your servant rather than it turning you into its servant. It goes way back, you know, to the Hindu stories, to the Buddhist stories of Prince Five, Five Weapons, who wrestles the monster Sticky Hair, and who comes to a place of wisdom as a result. We all have to do this. We have to face our negativity and realize we're bigger than it is. It's one of the essential recurring themes of myth and literature and legend in all cultures, well, since the myths and legends have been around. And so that's a pretty good indicator that <laughs> we have to deal with this shadow before we can clear our minds and move to the place that is synchronous, where we can do what we're supposed to do. You draw a lot upon literature and legend throughout the book. Um, would you say that they help us to understand um, the problems that we deal with every day simply because they have resonated all the way throughout the ages? What a beautiful description that is, Miriam. <laughs> yes. Literature has always been a way of us um, making sense of ourselves to ourselves. And great literature and legends survive because within them they, they still have a sense of authenticity. People say, wow, yes, that really, that's true, isn't it? That's the way life is. And so literature has always been a teaching tool. It's not just something that you get taught in grade school and get through as quickly as possible. It's been a life teaching tool to give us really important life lessons. It sort of reflects ourselves to ourselves. Yes, that would be exactly it. Mm -hmm. You know, you and, and so many teachers talk about dealing with the shadow, doing the work, etc. Um, what does that mean in practice? How do you do the work or deal with your stuff? In practice, it means that we have to do what I call the descent into the self. And I write about this in um, uh, this book and... Uh, also, I talk about it in terms of, for instance, Grimm, the Grimm Brothers' fairy tales in my, uh, my book uh, about that topic. And in order to descend into ourselves, we have to um, strip away, as it were, all of the usual things that surround us, which is why when sometimes disasters happen to people, they go through a massive learning experience because they're not interested or they're not able or they're taken away from worrying about whether they have the right car, whether they have paid the golf club fees. They're taken to a, a more stripped-down version of themselves. 
And then they have to realize um, that they are not different from everyone else. In the so book, does, it come, I, does it come in moments of inspiration or is it the result of continuous deep reflection, all of the above? It can be all of the above. I mean, as I say, most people discover that there is more to life when they go through a disaster, mm -hmm. when they lose their health, when they lose their job, when a loved one leaves them, perhaps when somebody dies. It causes us to shake up the way we look at things. Now, that's a, that's a hard way to learn the lesson. We don't have to learn it that way. We can perhaps look inside ourselves at times when we feel lost. And that's when I, I use the example in the book of um, you know, Dante's Divine Comedy, because in that masterpiece of literature, he starts off and he's lost. He doesn't know where he is. And then he goes down, down, down into hell. And what he sees over and over again are these, these people confined in the horrible reaches of hell. And he recognizes again and again, oh, I could have been just like that person. This person's not different. I could have got greedy. I could have got selfish. I, I could still get greedy and selfish. Normally, you know, we read the newspapers and we say, oh, look, you know, there's an insider trader on Wall Street uh, who's just got sentenced. Ah, oh, serves him right, serves him right. <laughs> and we forget that, you know, we've got the same impulse of greed and some of us follow that impulse of greed quite energetically. You know, I, I know I have. Uh, but we could also look at that person and say, oh, you know, there, but for the grace of God, or whatever you believe in, go I. Uh, when I worked in the prisons, um, of the first classes I taught, I was in a room full of, uh, of lifers. And so there was me teaching literature, and there were 20 murderers in the room. And I thought, you know... <laughs> uh, and they were all very nice people. And I thought, oh, me, I could never murder somebody. And then we got talking about stuff, and I realized that, you know, if my circumstances had been different, if I'd been, you know, sucked into a bank robbery that went wrong, which a couple of the men had been, I could have wound up panicking and, and shooting my way. I could be in that prison cell myself. I was not different. I am not different. Mm -hmm. And so recognizing that, um, I think, is absolutely essential. And if we're going to, to pave the path towards synchronicity, which this book attempts to do, we have to look at how we blank off and, and refuse to see that we could go down the wrong path. And we have to look at what surrounds us. And that's where I have the whole idea of the, the eight barriers to synchronicity which we will talk about when we come back because we're going to take another quick break now. So please stay tuned. Ready for a change from the grim and dim we hear all too often on the radio? I am. I am Bruce Salen, host of The Bruce Salen Show, A Dad's Point of View, inviting you to listen to the wonderful new PWRN, the Positive World Radio Network. Open your ears and experience the difference at pwrnradio.com. 
If you like what you are hearing on PWRN, we invite you to become a part of our broadcast family. If you are knowledgeable and passionate about what you do and would like to get your message to a worldwide audience, then we would love to talk with you about becoming a host on our growing lineup of Global Voices. Call Brian Kravitz at 215-941-7269. That's 215-941-7269. We look forward to having you joining us. Call Brian at 215-941-7269. Most business owners want to engage in social media, but they think it's difficult, time-consuming, and don't have the knowledge to maximize their presence in Facebook or Twitter. Does that sound like you? If your answer is yes, call Donna Kerr. She will be your expert in taking the hassle out of social media. For a free one-half-hour consultation, call Donna at 951-672-2968 or visit www.donnacurr.com today. This is thinking with somebody else's head. Richard. Yes, I'm buckled in. I have my seatbelt on. I'm prepared. Every once in a while, when we most need it. This subject that concerns the spiritual life attracts the biggest attention. Comes the scientific and spiritual wisdom to change the world. All of us, we are inverted, we are upside down. We see good as evil and evil as good. We see honesty as foolishness and dishonesty as smartness. I think what we're looking to do on Thinking With Somebody Else's Head is really offer a perspective on the world that's been lacking. Our link with Dr. Kepi's science gives us the tools to treat the problems of the world in a way no one else can do. That makes our program extremely relevant and profoundly therapeutic. And Kepi brings a light on this that the being in itself is good, beautiful, and truthful. Evil, sickness, suffering, restriction is just a denial of the true being. Inspired from the landmark science of analytical trilogy comes a radio program that explores the true human spirit, the most profound understanding of the human being in the world today. So we are opening the gates for the fifth empire, which will be the true empire for humanity, wise, humble and very energetic, a true cosmic civilization. Available now on the Positive World Radio Network. Thinking with somebody else's head with Richard Lloyd-Jones and Claudia Bernhardt Pacheco. Opening our eyes to the full dimension of human possibility. If we have 20% of people becoming conscious and opening their minds, their inner lives, you will see what power of consciousness is. You're listening to the voice of planet Earth, the Positive World Radio Network. And we're back with our guest, Alan Hunter, discussing his book, The Path of Synchronicity, Align Yourself with Your Life's Flow. So, um, we just before the break, we were talking about the um, eight uh, examples, the eight paths, of, yes. synch- of synchronicity, um, trying to, uh, so um, uh, the eight barriers, that's what it was, the eight barriers to synchronicity. Can you give us some examples of a, of a barrier? Oh yes, there are, there are many examples. Uh, perhaps the most obvious example is uh, the message or the messages that we take from the past about who we are. And people will be very keen to tell us who we are and they 
will do so practically from the moment that we're we're born. They'll tell us, oh, he looks just like, or oh, he does that just like his uncle, whatever. And people will tell us who we are, and we will internalize a whole series of messages about who we are. And some of those messages aren't true. Many of them aren't true. They might have been true once, but they're not always true. If you, you know, if uh, my... If you need proof of that, um, one way to spread panic amongst a group of men is, uh, is to ask them to stand, uh, stand in the center of the room and dance. <laughs> <laughs> Most men say, oh, I, I don't dance. Uh, some men do, of course. Uh, I think it's a wonderful thing to do, and I love doing it. But most men get panic-stricken. And you can usually trace that back to embarrassment, perhaps around the age of 8, 9, or 10, when they thought they weren't good enough, and they still, there they are, 50 years old, 60 years old, and they still believe they can't do it. That's a message we tell ourselves that is not true. If we can do that with dance, I'm sure we can do it with all sorts of other things to do with our characters. I know we can do it in terms of whether we're creative and whether we have the courage to be creative. So that's really a big one, the message that we send, send ourselves. And we do that in our language as well. We, we tend to choose language that doesn't help us. We say that, oh, you know, oh, this is a disaster. No, if you believe it's a disaster, you'll turn it into a disaster. It may just be a mishap. And in fact, the eight barriers um, contain all, all the things that could be real blessings. So, for instance, uh, you know, think, of, think of our bodies. How do we treat our bodies? Well, many people treat their bodies rather poorly. Um, they don't exercise. I know I don't do enough. They eat junk food. Uh, and when you ask them about that, they say, well, you know, I don't have time to exercise. And that's the food that's available. And I say, yes, but what message are you sending yourself about what you deserve? Because if you don't deserve good treatment, if you don't treat yourself well, how are you ever going to be able to assess who you are so you can be of service to the universe? Do you see? Mm -hmm. These are barriers that we build up, and we have very good reasons for building them up, but they don't serve us. And the same thing perhaps with family and friends. You know, family and friends are two wonderful things, but they can also become two barriers two really big barriers. One's family says, you know, you're not going to be a jewelry designer, you're going to be an accountant. And in order to please the family, in order to fit in with the family, we crush down what is true for ourselves in order to fit in. And our friends can do the same. If you choose the wrong friends, and who hasn't chosen a wrong friend? <laughs> if we choose the wrong friend, that person will want you to be somebody that perhaps you're not. And that takes us to yet another barrier, which is, which is love. Um, we're very confused about love here in this part of the world, and we have been for a long time. And sometimes we allow what we think of as love to whip us up into a frenzy of, of concerns, and whilst we're in that space, we can't hear anything, we can't do anything apart from be in that sense of either happiness or terrible sadness 
or hopelessness, all these things come from love, all of them are basically going to get in the way. Now, if, if you are in love with the right person and a loving relationship, then that will allow you to move forward. But a lot of people think that love is giving up the essential part of themselves. And so that can become a barrier, I think, to any sort of synchronicity. Um, work will also get in our way. Oh yes, I have to have my job, yes, and it drains the energy out of me, oh yes, oh yes. And suddenly there's nothing left of the creative me that the universe needs. And so these barriers are all the things that we see every day that somehow have a tendency to take over our lives. And if we let them take over our lives, there'll be nothing left for us so that we can listen to whatever it is that the universe wants us to do. Now, I'll give you an example. Um, in the book, I describe how I got the, the job, my teaching job at Curry College. And a series of amazing coincidences happened. I mean, people just appeared to give me rides when I was stuck in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, people who would normally not be helpful became magic and got me to this, this place, uh, even though circumstances seemed to be uh, against it. And I got the job and I'm very happy. And looking back at that time, I remember saying, oh, you know, I'll be in this job for a couple of years and then I'll get a better job at a better institution. And that was my ego saying that this is what was expected of me. But I've now been in that job very happily for 25 years and I can look back and I can say, this job was exactly what I needed for my soul's growth. Notice, it wasn't what I wanted. What I wanted was something more glamorous, but what I needed, the universe had provided me with. Now, I have a choice. You know, I could stay in the place of ego and I could say, you know, I should have done better, you know, I've been gypped. Or I could say, oh, wait, I was really given a gift here if I have the, the awareness to pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. So... Uh Essentially, synchronicity is a form of messaging from the universe telling you whether you are on track or veering off track. And one of the chapters talks about channeling as a form of synchronicity, uh, yes. which is quite a direct form of communication. Now, uh, a lot of people have been opening to psychic communications, and the first reaction is... Am I going mad, or is this a real effect? How do you distinguish between the two? Mm. Well, <laughs> very, very important to, to distinguish between the two. And that can only be done from a place of calmness. Um, what I suggest is that channeling does happen. People do hear um, voices that guide them in certain directions. They hear music. They see signs that say go this way not that way and we perhaps need to be very very um, attuned and alert and brave to follow that and we should also be skeptical the fact that something happens does not always necessarily mean that uh, this voice that says don't do that is uh, the genuine thing people do hear voices and sometimes that's the that's the mark of a schizophrenic episode. And maybe the voices in the schizophrenic episode 
are actually taking the person on a deeper journey so that when they emerge at the other end, they can find themselves anew. But this is going to be different for each individual. I can't sit here and say to the listeners, and say, well, you know, if you hear this, you should... I say, no, if you hear this, you then have to be intelligent and um, skeptical to some extent about what's happening. Because, you see, the universe isn't just going to do everything for us. It requires us to think and feel about what it is that is coming our way. So if a voice says to you, you know, go out and uh, kill your neighbor's dog, that's probably not the sort of voice you need to be listening to. But if a voice <laughs> says to you, um, oh, you seem to have a problem with your neighbor, is there a chance for you and your neighbor to sit and talk this through? Then that might be the positive side of that impulse. Every piece of synchronicity can cut both ways. Every impulse we have can cut, but are we going to choose the destructive path or are we going to choose the more constructive path? And that's really it. Synchronicity tests us. And it tests us because the universe needs the strongest, best versions of us we can provide. So it's going to give you what you need, but it's also going to say, okay, what are you going to do with this information? And that's mm -hmm. a different test. I found it fascinating and even comforting to learn that poets like Wordsworth, Milton, and Marvell, they were having out-of-body experiences. Uh, why do you think that we have shut down these channels today as, as a society? Why has it become uh, unpopular? It's become unpopular uh, because there's so little obvious reward. And what we do in our society today is we're very busy and we work for obvious reward, uh, money or, or goods that we can lay our hands on. Even a few hundred years ago, um, somebody like Wordsworth, somebody like Marvell, and both of whom were, were very worldly um, men and indeed rose high in the government, both of them would have had more time to be alone with themselves and to listen to the inner wisdom. Um, Wordsworth called it the still sad music of humanity. What a lovely way to describe it. Yes. The still sad music of humanity. But you can't do that if you're rushing from place to place. Today we have to schedule time to relax. So we schedule a vacation. And so we, we work, 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 and then we shove all our clothes in a bag, and we get on a plane, and we, we go to point A, and we're there. And we say, so what am I going to do to relax? Well, I'm going to water ski, I'm going to mountain climb, I'm going to, you know, the list, list goes on. But the wiser people say, I'm going to take some time out and go on a retreat, or I'm going to go walking in the wilderness, and let nature work its magic on me, which is the same thing as saying, let the universe work its magic upon me. But we don't usually do that, many of us, I shouldn't say blanket terms, but we tend not to do that. I don't exempt myself. I've been a very busy person at times in my life, and it's not served me well. That poem that you mentioned of Andrew Marvell's that starts off um, uh, with the, the lines, mistake 
Mistaken long I sought you then, peace is talking about, mistaken long I sought you then in busy companies of men. <laughs> and we're busy, we have companies of people, but we don't take the time to listen to our inner selves. Indeed we don't. Well, we're going to take a, another break now, and then I'll be back with a conclusion of our interview with Alan Hunter. If you like what you are hearing on PWRN, we invite you to become a part of our broadcast family. If you are knowledgeable and passionate about what you do and would like to get your message to a worldwide audience, then we would love to talk with you about becoming a host on our growing lineup of Global Voices. Call Brian Kravitz at 215-941-7269. That's 215-941-7269. We look forward to having you joining us. Call Brian at 215-941-7269. Most business owners want to engage in social media, but they think it's difficult, time-consuming, and don't have the knowledge to maximize their presence in Facebook or Twitter. Does that sound like you? If your answer is yes, call Donna Kerr. She will be your expert in taking the hassle out of social media. For a free one-half-hour consultation, call Donna at 951-672-2968 or visit www.donnakerr.com today. You are listening to New Consciousness Review, heard exclusively on the Positive World Radio Network. You can learn more about Miriam Knight's guests by visiting the NCR online showcase of Conscious Media, where you'll find thousands of spiritual and progressive titles of authors and filmmakers. And now let's get back to Miriam and her guest. And we're back with Alan Hunter and talking about his book, The Path of Synchronicity. You know, I get the feeling that synchronicity is uh, the universe bludgeoning us or tempting us into a path of expansion for the universe. I mean, there are so many interesting books coming out about uh, what the universe, uh, how the universe works through us, that we're the own, as you said earlier, quoting Andrew Cohen, that we're the hands and feet uh, and creative agent of the universe in the physical. So um, I, I'm curious, uh, what has been the response to your book so far? Uh, very gratifying, actually. Um, I was very nervous when I wrote this book, um, although I have to say synchronicities happened to me as I wrote it, which was very reassuring. I would find that every day that I sat down to write it, there were little nudges saying, write this, write this, here's a write this. So I felt I was on the correct path. But I'm, you know, I'm a, an academic, I'm a college and a university teacher, and I thought, oh, some of my colleagues are very much in the rationalist mode of thought. They're going to turn their noses up and say, mumbo-jumbo. And, you know, some of them have, I'm sure. But equally, I was really surprised and relieved when I started to talk about synchronicity that so many thoughtful people, deep thinking, sensitive, thoughtful people at all levels said, oh, Absolutely. This happens. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens. And so I, I moved, I suppose, from a, from a point at which I was um, fearful into the place that I'm in now. I realized that 
actually a lot of people have been feeling this for a long time, but have have been shy, like me, of expressing the fact that they look at their lives and they see there's been a pattern and that they have been led to where they need to be and there are more things that they have to do. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to that idea of service. You know, how can I be of service? At a certain point in our lives, you know, this is a, a, an urgent question when we look around and we say, there are lots of things that need to be put right in this world. How can I be part of the solution? Yes. And, uh, that's, that's when we're moving into the, the place of flow and synchronicity. We're moving out of the, the obviously ego space and saying, I want to contribute. Well, I think there's been a quantum shift since the publication of the, the book and the DVD, The Secret. For some mm-hmm. reason, that found an enormously broad resonance within society. How is your book different from what they say in The Secret? Um, the Secret, if one reads it carefully, says some things that are a little similar to what I'm saying. Unfortunately, most people don't, don't or haven't read it um, closely and carefully and many people have have subscribed to what I can only describe as, as hopelessly um, optimistic magical thinking and so people have said oh yes um, I, uh, I intended uh, and I visualized a new car and a new job and a new lover and they didn't occur so it's all rubbish and I said yes okay I can understand your disappointment, but, and here is the important but, if we're going to intend to manifest something, we have to be absolutely clear what it is we're going to intend to manifest. The example I give in the book is of a man who said that you know, he wanted his, his dream job, $80,000 a year, and a wonderful car. And I said, okay, is that really what you want? He said, yeah, 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 that's what I really want. He got his dream job. He got his car. He got the significant other that he uh, thought he wanted, and he was miserable. And so, you know, we worked a little on this. We said, okay, you've, you've manifested what you've said you wanted, but it obviously isn't what you wanted. And so here's the, the real important point that I think the secret doesn't emphasize enough. And that is, you receive from the universe what you are. The energy you send out is what you get back. If you're an insecure person, you may say, oh, if I had my well-paying job and my nice car and my glamorous significant other, I would feel secure. But the universe doesn't hear that. The universe doesn't hear your words, it hears your music. And the music you're sending out is, I'm insecure, I'm insecure. Do you see? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this poor fellow sent out the music, and what did he get? More, He got more of whatever, what he was asking for. He sent out the message that he was in a place of insecurity. The universe sent him back more insecurity. Mm. So we have to be very, very careful how we ask for what we think we want. And that is why I wrote the book and why I talk about the eight barriers um, to, to moving forward into the place of flow. We have to want 
what we want, not for our own little ego gratifications, not to soothe our, our damaged sense of self. We have to want what we want because it is good for everyone. And that's different because it is going to provide something that everybody can benefit from. So if one is saying, oh, I, I need more money in my life, it's lovely to say, hey, I need more money so that I can buy more toys, but I think perhaps the universe will just send you more money worries. However, if we move to a different point and say, you know, if I am to do the work that I have to do, somehow, somewhere, some money or some financial support is going to have to help me to mobilize this skill, whether the money goes into my pocket or is part of an organization that can... And that's a different request, isn't it? That's yeah. not a, a request coming from the self. That's a request coming for everyone. So we have to be very, very astute as to what it is we're asking for. If we ask for the wrong thing, we, we'll, we'll get it. I guarantee it. You know, people are all the time manifesting things they don't want. <laughs> they say, oh, oh, well, I didn't really want that. What I wanted was, well, get it clear what you want and then it will come your way. But that's a wholly different exercise. I don't think the secret is understood currently that way. I think it, the secret um, began to explore this process, and that really was one of the things that prompted me to write this particular book, because I saw that people weren't getting the message. And I said, no, no, this is too important. This message needs to arrive. Mm -hmm. So I did what I did. I think this message needs to be taken on board, not only at an individual level, but also on a broader social and national level. Mm. Oh, I'm so glad you said that, Miriam, because if some of our politicians would stop worrying about whether they get themselves re-elected and therefore stay in a job, and they started worrying about doing the right thing, whether it was popular or not, that would lead us to a wholly different world a wholly different way of running the country. It's not impossible, it's just not very easy under the present circumstance where every politician thinks that he or she has to please the populace. You know, that's a bit like the indulgent mother who is always giving in to the child and what you get is a spoiled child who has no manners. <laughs> you know, well, that brings us... That brings us full circle back to the notion of synchronicity and messages from the universe. And, you know, is it possible that such things as the, the earthquake in Japan and the, the meltdown of the nuclear reactors was a pretty strong message from the universe or the, that, or the uh, you know, the other natural disasters and man-made disasters that we're experiencing? That's a really interesting question. Um, uh, there are those, of course, who say that, uh, or who said that the uh, tsunami and the earthquake in, in Japan was punishment for World War II. You know, I, I don't subscribe to that. However, I think it's extremely important for us to say, gosh, um, here was an earthquake followed by a tsunami. We weren't ready for that. We didn't have the safety, or the Japanese didn't have the safety precautions in place. Why? Well, because like all big corporations, those energy companies were trying to make money rather than provide something 
the, the, the nuclear plant that would not ever go wrong, no matter how violent the, uh, the tsunamis and the earthquakes were. They were trying to make money, and so guess what? We learned a very harsh lesson about well, the eco right there. The universe delivered the message. So what is your next project, Alan? Well, my next project, uh, which I'm working on quite uh, diligently at the moment, has to do, it's a, it has a little to do with this, but has to do with what I call spiritual hunger. And spiritual hunger happens when we, as individuals or a society, lose sight of where we fit in. Can you see how this, this might have to do with synchronicity? Mm-hmm. Which is all about asking us what we're here to give. When we lose a sense of what is important, the only thing that we consider to be important is whatever society tells us is important. So more money, more toys, and so on. And It's losing that, the internal compass. Yes, yes. So in some ways what I suggest is that the spiritual hunger can be assuaged if we're aware that we're pointing the wrong way with the compass that we've been given or the, uh, the interference on the compass has pointed the needle temporarily in the wrong direction. And I suggest ways through the use of revaluing uh, literature and ritual find ways that we can um, begin to think anew about how we can feed that spiritual emptiness that is so prevalent in our society at the moment. Well, that sounds like another wonderful book in the making. Where do people go to learn more about you, Alan? Uh, My website is www.allanhunter.net. Don't go to .com, that's someone else. Uh, My books are all on Amazon, and there's an author's page. Click on the author's page, you'll... uh, You'll, you'll see them all described with wonderful reviews and uh, so on. Uh, or you can go to my publisher, Findhorn Press. That's F-I-N-D-H-O-R-N Press, or one word, findhornpress.com. And you can find out more about me that way. I have a Facebook page, Dr. Alan Hunter, uh, Alan, Dr. Alan G. Hunter, I'm sorry. And... Um, that's the easiest uh, easiest way to get hold of me and find out more about what I do. Well, there's another easy way, which is just to go to ncreview.com and look for Alan Hunter's page, as well right. as all his books. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it. <laughs> anyway, Alan, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for including me today, Miriam. I, I do so love chatting with you, and thank you again. Well, we'll have another chat when your next book comes out. (laughs) I'll look forward to that. Excellent. Well, next week on NCR Radio, my Lynn McTaggart, the author of the classic book, The Field, The Quest for the Secret Force of the Universe. You really won't want to miss this. You can learn more about all of our guests and their books on ncreview.com. And we're going to go for our final break now. And after the break, we conclude with another delightful track of the week by members of the Positive Music Association. So stay tuned. 
And now it's time for our weekly musical interlude from the Positive Music Association. The PMA is a growing number of musicians who are using music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. Each week we feature songs from members of the PMA with music styles ranging from pop and rock to folk and jazz, all with positive messages designed to uplift, heal or enlighten. This week we feature a song by Melissa Lewis called Simple Life. After the song I'll tell you where you can find out more about Melissa's music and about the PMA. Enjoy the music. I've been working far too hard for far too long Something's gotta give Yeah, my mind that just worries Things I can't control This ain't no way to live If I could just slow it down I Take my time I know somehow I'd surely find That a wonderful life I live inside
been blessed by The Simple Life from Melissa Lewis of Los Angeles. To find out more about Melissa's music, go to melissalewis.net. That's M-E-L-I-S-S-A-L-E-W-I-S dot net. And to discover more great music or to join the PMA, go to positivemusicassociation.com. Well, that's it for our show for this week. Remember to join me next week when I interview Lynn McTaggart about her latest book, The Bond, Connecting Through the Space Between Us. I'm Miriam Knight, wishing you a week filled with light and laughter. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to NCR Radio, heard exclusively on the Positive World Radio Network. If you missed any of Miriam's shows, you can find them on demand any day and time on her show page right here on PWRN. You can also download podcasts to your iPhone and take these inspiring shows with you wherever and whenever you like. If you have a question or comment for Miriam, you can follow her on Facebook at facebook.com slash ncrreview. That's facebook.com slash ncrreview. Be sure and join us next week for more passionate and exciting guests on NCR Radio. You're listening to the new voice for planet Earth, the Positive World Radio Network. Stay tuned for previews of more inspiring, informative, and entertaining shows this week on PWRN, the premier destination on the digital dial for intelligent conversation, world-class music, and cool Hi, jazz. this is Mandy Morrow, host of the Night Owl Show on PWRN. Join me Saturday nights at 10pm Pacific Time, direct from London, England, for a very unique evening of conversation and music from around the world. We'll tour the tango halls of Argentina and the funky London jazz scene, from the talk of Tokyo to the underground of Ukraine. The Night Owl Show is a fusion of jazz, Latin, bluegrass, soul, Celtic, world, country and acoustic music. New releases and old favourites merge to create an hour of truly different radio. So join me, won't you, every Saturday night right here on Positive World Radio, the new voice for planet Earth. I'm Bruce Allen. Join me this week when we discuss parental hypocrisy on The Bruce Allen Show, A Dad's Point of View, Thursdays at 7 p.m. on PWRN, the Positive World Radio Network. This is Marcy Newman, host of Mastering the Art of Becoming. Make sure to tune in to this segment on Rhonda Franklin and her book, Broken to Grace. Hear about her near-death experience that has turned her whole life into an experience not for the weak of heart. Make sure to tune in and find out what she has to say about all things happening for a reason. Hey, it's author-musician singer Al Cole, host of the syndicated talk show People of Distinction, celebrity interviews giving high-level public figures the chance to talk about their very special human feelings, too. The energy and dedication of what we call love. I'll tell you, everybody, I am so thrilled to be with PWRN Radio. All the great stuff, the other wonderful talk show hosts, too. I mean, even the name says it all, the Positive World Radio Network. This week, Tippi Hedren, renowned actress who lit up the screen in Alfred Hitchcock's classic movie, The Birds, 
Tippy went on to receive a Golden Globe Award for her performance in The Birds, and in 2003, Tippy received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. <laughs> Whoa, there, you gotta love that. And since 1983, a major part of Tippy's efforts has gone into the Shambhala Preserve, currently home to over 80 felines. And they're exotic felines rescued from abusive situations. You've got to applaud Tippy for that. Tippy has authored and passed the Captive Wildlife Safety Act and is active with the extraordinary bill currently before Congress. Get this, the federal ban on breeding exotic cats for Personal Possession Act. Uh, got to check out this interview with the one and only Tippy Hedron. And as always, stick with the Positive World Radio Network. Best place on the web for the awesome positive messages for the human family. So I've been told, loneliness becomes a word that's very cold. Hi, this is Fred Migliori. Loneliness, we've all been there before, and for some of us, many times. If you're in that space now or know someone who is, then you don't want to miss our next show. Music is like water. It heals. And listen to it in action this week on FM Odyssey. With the launch of Free to Be Healthy Toolkit, Mango Tiger will be interviewing Margaret Stewart. Margaret has the belief that if we can let go of the thoughts, emotions and beliefs in the subconscious mind, we can heal anything. In this interview, Margaret will give case studies, exercises and techniques to show you how to do it for yourself. So you can let go of your emotions and beliefs and heal your body. So be sure to listen in to Margaret Stewart on Mango Tiger. Down but not out. Uh, when you think of that phrase, what if any ethnic group should immediately come to the mind of our listeners? African Americans, uh, European Jews, uh, Irish families immigrated to the U.S., not even close. You're going to be listening to Leonard Ludy, the Director of Property Management for the Saboba Casino. That's a casino owned and operated by the Wasani Indians in Southern California. And you're going to learn about the realities of Indian gambling, the realities of the money that is and is not there, and most importantly about the Indian culture itself, the real survivors in the United States of America. Hi, I'm Bruce Stewart, Citizen at Large, and this week on Citizen at Large here on the Positive World Radio Network, we are going to be talking about Quebec, the Parti Québécois, the Quebec Liberals, Quebec Solidaire, the Coalition pour l'Avenir de Québec, and that's probably about as much French as you're going to have to have in order to take a look at a province that's about to undergo dramatic change. Quebec, this week on Citizen at Large, here on the Positive World Radio Network. Hi, I'm Lori Bitter, host of the Business of Aging on the Positive World Radio Network. My guest this week is Barbara Waxman, dubbed America's favorite life coach for midlife and beyond. She's the founder of Odyssey Group and an executive and life coach. We'll be talking about the need for a coach at midlife, baby boomer entrepreneurs, and her book, How to Love Your Retirement. You don't want to miss this conversation. Hi, this is Gary Namey, host of The Work Doctor. Please join me for my debut show where we take a look at ways to avoid deforming K-12 education in America. My guest is Dr. Matt Spencer, veteran educational administrator and basically a values visionary. 
who's going to tell us what's really screwed up inside and how to avoid it. I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones. This week on Thinking with Somebody Else's Head. What China is doing, bringing and invading like a tsunami of low-quality products, buying for a very low price, a very low-quality product, destroying industries and this economic tissue of nations. A form of corruption. We'll look at all our forms of corruption this week. Corruption, it's not just out there anymore. Our program this week on Thinking with Somebody Else's Head on the Positive World Radio Network. This is Judah Freed on the Global Sense Show. Join us this week for our guest Jim Kenney, author of Thriving in the Cross Current. We're going to talk about how there is clarity and hope in the transformations that's going on in the world today. This is going to take your mind away from some of the beliefs that you might think have a lot of relevance and show you a whole new way of looking at the changes that are going on in the world right now. So join us with Jim Kenney on the Global Sense Show this week on the Positive World Radio Network. This is Gary Namey, The Work Doctor. Please join me in my new show here, The Work Doctor on PWRN. This next episode's guest is Louis Maltby, director of the National Work Rights Institute and the author of the book, Can They Do That? Retaking Our Fundamental Human Rights in the Workplace. And you're going to learn a lot of surprises that you thought provided protections for you in the workplace that just aren't there. And is your employer looking over your shoulder and peeking into the bathroom? Join us for a fascinating discussion with Lou Maltby. <laughs> 